Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Matt Collins, the managing editor at Over the Monster. Matt, welcome back to the pod. Oh, it's thrilling to be here. <laughs> thrilling with all this off-season news. We are down oh, in yeah. today, so no Brian Joyner, but you do have us uh, here, the the regulars. Uh, you can find Matt on Twitter at MattRYCollins, and you can find myself on Twitter at DevJake. So let's kick it off with uh, the most exciting news in baseball, which neither of us really care about, but that's the Hall of Fame voting. Uh, Hall of Fame voting just recently went down. Um, only four members were elected. Uh, that was Chipper Jones with 97.2% of the vote, Vladimir Guerrero with 92.9% of the vote, Jim Tomey with 89.8%, and Trevor Hoffman with 79.9%. And again, you need 75% of the vote to get into the Hall of Fame. Did any of these guys surprise you? Any uh, big snubs in your opinion, or was this pretty much the four you expected? Um. I was a little surprised by Hoffman. I think he probably deserves it, but I thought that he was going to fall short. Um, his numbers aren't as great as you would think, because, I mean, I just remember growing up, he was like the man. But looking back, I mean, he's obviously awesome, but it's not as good as you think, and he's somebody that's kind of talked down a lot on Twitter, so... He's the only guy I was really surprised at. Um, as far as snubs go, yeah, there's like 50 snubs probably. Yeah. 
Uh, let's just go down the list. Who should be in? Edgar should be in. Messina should be in. Clemens should be in. Bond should be in. Schilling should probably be in, although I'm not going to cry if he doesn't make it because he's a dink. Uh, let's see. Larry Walker should be in. Manny should be in. Sheffield is on the cusp. Wagner is right there. Roland should probably be in. I think Andrew Jones should be in. Um, so, yeah. That's would you, just... Would you put Santana in, too? Johan? Yeah. I wouldn't be upset if he got in. I don't know if I'd vote for him. It was kind of a short short peak, but um, I mean, I could see the argument for it. Such a sick peak, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be upset if he was there. I'm on... And honestly, I don't care that much about the Hall of Fame anymore, anyways. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't care too much. Um, I'm completely on board with you uh, on Edgar Martinez, uh, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, um, Mike Mussina, although I believe that Kurt Schilling had a better career than Mike Mussina. And I know that some people you know, don't think that, um, but I think the postseason numbers just matter so much. And Kurt Schilling was the guy that you wanted on your team uh, during the postseason, and his, his numbers back that up. So... Um, so considering Schilling's postseason numbers, I would actually be kind of pissed if Schilling doesn't eventually make the Hall. I just feel like if you're someone who's an instrumental part of several World Series victories, uh, 2001 and 2004 are the ones that stand out to me, um, you're that guy, you need to be in the Hall of Fame. And that's the exact reasoning that I think people are going to use to get David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he, you're going to have to wrestle with the hall the same way that you know edgar martinez is gonna um but if you're you're one of those guys those october guys you need to be in the hall in my opinion yeah i mean i think that's fair and i would say based on his career Schilling is absolutely a hall of famer based on what has happened after his career i'm no longer attached to him making it in anymore so and, I mean, the Hall of Fame, that entire plaque section of the Hall of Fame has just totally lost its luster. They, uh, they've they just screwed it up so bad the last, I don't know, 10 years or so that the museum as a whole is awesome. And all the exhibits are really cool. The plaques are probably the worst part of the Hall of Fame at this point. I've actually never been up to the Hall of Fame, surprisingly. I've never I done would, it. It's worth it. I mean, I went when I was in probably like eighth grade mm -hmm. i think so i'd like to go up again there's a lot of cool stuff up there i remember watching a like a or late 1800s version of baseball like a live action that was pretty cool nice yeah that, that sounds awesome yeah i definitely want to check it out at some point it's one of those things that's kind of random i've been to uh the the red sox hall of fame a whole bunch of times but you know that's an easier drive for me I've uh, never been to the Red Sox Hall of Fame. I don't even know where it is. <laughs> it's actually in Fenway. That they, makes sense. They have like a little room up there with some cool memorabilia. Definitely cool to check out. Um, so out of these four guys that did make it in, Chipper, Vlad, Jim Tomey, and Trevor Hoffman, um, which one of these guys do you have the best memories of watching as, as you're growing up as a baseball fan? Oh, it's Vlad all the way. <laughs> Vlad is like the coolest ever. And... No batting gloves, total badass, and just hitting anything thrown to him, hitting home runs off the ground. Um, 
He had like the strongest arm I've ever seen. Vlad is just all swag. He's, I mean, he wasn't the best of this group. Chipper Jones was definitely better, I think, but Vlad was way more fun. I'm with you 100%. I don't remember almost anything of Chipper Jones. Like, as good a player as he was, I mean, I remember the World Series and I remember, you know, bits and pieces here, but it is 100% Vlad for me, too, and I don't even think it's close. Um, Vlad throwing guys out uh, from right field, uh, trying to tag up from second and go to third, um, is one of the best things that I remember about him. The guy just had an absolute hose, like you said, and then, um, you know, he could do it. He could do it at the plate, too. So, um, yeah, swag is definitely the way I would describe him. And it's also terribly depressing that he has a son who is a top prospect now. (laughs) What the hell happened there? How did that happen? Yeah. Uh, a son who they say actually grades out higher than him on scouting yeah. reports right now, which is a, a scary thought. So Vlad's son should be like six years old right now. This is <laughs> not okay with me. You're really sensing your mor- mortality right now, aren't you? Yeah, I went out last night and I went to three bars and didn't get carded once. So I was, I'm, <laughs> I'm reeling right now. Yeah, that's a rough realization. I haven't been <laughs> carded in like three years, so I think uh, I'm, I'm definitely there as well. Um, so I, I guess we should move on then to the Zips projections that just came out. Uh, Fangraphs publishes their projections and Zips system, which uh, Dan Simborski uh, created. Um, and there were some interesting projections here. Um, I think the one that was probably most intriguing to both of us was the Rafael Devers projection that they had. Um, they had him leading the team in home runs at 27. Uh, they had him with 85 RBIs and weighted runs created plus of 109. Um, what was most surprising to you about that projection? Um, probably the home runs. Um, I don't really know how the projection systems work after last year's juiced balls or whatever the reason was. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how they factor that in. But um, so if they are assuming that the environment's going to be the same, I can see the 27. But I feel like a projection system wouldn't really factor that in. But either way, I was surprised. I can definitely see it happening, but um, these things tend to on the more conservative side so it was pretty cool to see them that high on Devers. Yeah it's cool and it kind of justifies the the prospect type that we all knew he had you know coming up. He really is one of the the better prospects uh, to to be um, sort of up in the rankings over the last couple of years and the Red Sox really don't have anybody like that in the system right now so um, being able to see him in his second year is going to be awesome and one of the highlights of of this upcoming year for sure. Um, they had a pretty aggressive projection for Mookie Betts too, which I liked. And I, I don't even think it's aggressive. I, I guess it's aggressive for a projection system. But what I like about it is that um, it had his BABIP returning to normal and his on-base percentage uh, a little bit higher than it was last year. Um, Mookie Betts definitely got unlucky last year. And I think we all know he can be a much better player. Um, and I kind of lean towards his true self 
being more of that 2016 guy than the 2017 guy that we saw. What's your take on Mookie? I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, it, the thing I'm probably the most sure about with the Red Sox is that Betts is going to be a better hitter in 2018 than he was in 2017. Um, I would agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised if 2016 is a career year for him in terms of uh, WRC+. Plus. He was at 137. I think the power was maybe a little bit higher than we can expect. But, um, I mean, generally speaking, that's the area where he's going to be. I mean, the guy's a total superstar. There's no way uh, 268 bad is going to happen again. No, that was an outrageously low number. Just like everything in his profile screams that that should not have happened. Um, and... A 264 average for a guy that makes the contact the way he did, a guy that walks almost as much as he strikes out. It was just, it was really weird. Yeah, it, it was a total fluke. Yep, and, and we forget, too, how young he is. 25 years old. That's crazy. 25, and he's already done this. So uh, what would you handicap his MVP chances at for next year? I mean, obviously Mike Trout has to be the favorite as long as he is alive. Um, but Mookie Betts, I mean... He's got to be top two or three He's, after that. I mean, I probably say Altuve. I would probably put a little bit higher, just because I think the Astros have a better chance of being good. Not that the not that I don't think the Red Sox going to be good, but the Astros are a better team. Mm-hmm. So, and that always matters in MVP voting. I think Correa is probably right there with them for that same reason. Um, Stanton. Is right there. There's a lot of guys, but Betts is up there with everybody in tier two behind Trout. I'm gonna give you my dark horse for next year, Jose Ramirez. I could see it. Yeah, that guy is also 25 years old and incredible. Uh, kind of reminds me of Betts with some of the uh, the skill set. So, um, really interesting player. But uh, anything else that stuck out to you about these projections here? Maybe anything on the pitching side, or maybe a guy that was projected lower than you thought? Uh, well, so the thing that stood out to me the most is that their rotation is sick. Um, <laughs> this is These are ERA plus numbers, projections for Sale, Price, Pomerantz, Porcello, and Rodriguez. It's 148, 122, 119, 105, 108. And then in the depth, Stephen Wright's at 95, Hector Velasquez is 91, Brian Johnson 89, Jalen Beeks 87. That's nine guys that you can feel comfortable throwing in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, no, that really is. And I think uh, what I liked about looking at those ERA plus uh, lists also was that they expect David Price and Drew Pomerantz to be really good next year, Uh, which is one of the things that um, I think uh, us as fans, when we envision the the season potentially going wrong, it kind of starts with the pitching not holding up its end of the bargain. Um, But Drew Pomerantz, what he did last year was very real. He has the skill set to do it. Uh, he's in a contract year at this point, so he's motivated. Um, David Price is in a virtual contract year if he wants it to be. 
Um, and if he pitches anything like what he was doing in the playoffs last year in the rotation, um, this team's going to be ridiculous, even if they don't add anything in free agency. Yeah, I mean, their top three has the potential to be one of the best in baseball. And, I mean, even Porcello, I don't think, has a huge ceiling, even though he won a Cy Young a couple years ago. I think he's probably going to be right around league average. But Rodriguez could be better than that 108 ERA plus projected for him. He could be worse, of course. But, I mean, there's a chance that you're rolling with Sale, Price, Pomerantz, and Rodriguez in a playoff series, and I'll put that up against anybody. Yeah, that would be absolutely filthy. Um, I do believe in Rick Porcello bouncing back to, to some degree next year. I'm not sure he's ever – well, I'm definitely sure he's never going to approach anything like he did in the Cy Young season. But under a 4 ERA, I think is – a realistic ask from him, like 3.8, 3.9, something around that ballpark with 200 innings like he logs every single year. I mean, that's that's super yeah. valuable to this team. Yeah, I mean, Porcello, I think the best rotation is with him as the fifth best, but he's he's good. He's better than he was last year. Yeah, and I think the main takeaway from this is that, like you said when you assess the pitching depth, uh, in your article probably two weeks ago now, if they don't do anything to the rotation, they're probably totally fine here with the amount of quality depth that they have in that system. Yeah, and I mean, worst case, you can find depth pieces in the middle of the season. What did you think about Joe Kelly and his 129 ERA plus out of the bullpen that they predicted? That seemed a little fishy to me. Yeah, I was uh, not really super on board with it. It's... uh. They don't have him giving up a lot of home runs, which is really the reason there. So I guess he get, keeps the ball on the ground enough where I could see why, but I think he's going to give up a few more home runs, and that would knock him down some. It's clear this projection system doesn't watch a lot of Nesson. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, so uh, anything else you want to close on before we move on? Uh. Craig Kimbrough, let me find his projection. My computer is like frozen. Uh, strikeout rate is outrageous. I can't find it right now. I think it's like 40. 15.8. Uh, 15.8. Uh, oh, oh, wait. Oh, Ks per nine is what they're projecting him for with a 178 ERA plus over 59.7 innings. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Yeah. There it is, 41.7%. That's a projection. That's I mean, crazy. that means they could see him striking out 50%. Yeah, that'd be a 31.3% uh, K-minus walk rate for him Yeah. for next year. I love Kirk Gimbo. <laughs> yeah, he is, he is one of the best when he's on. Uh, I guess one other reliever I think is worth talking about because he's someone who gets talked about as someone who's a little bit more expendable than he actually might be. And as a player, I like a lot. Um, and that's Heath Hembry. Um, he's gone through stretches where he's been very good, and he's gone through stretches where he's been very bad. But uh, Fangraphs actually likes him to a 119 ERA plus next year. What are your thoughts on him? Um, he's useful, but you don't really want him facing lefties. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, you can't, you can't really be a back-end arm if you're 
totally useless against one side of the plate yeah. because managers will just pinch it whenever they can. So I think he's fine, but um, I like Barnes more than him. I like Kelly more than him. I like Smith more than him. Thornberg's kind of a wild card, but Henry's like right. He's one of the last players on the roster. I guess Thornberg has a chance to be ready for spring training. Yeah, I don't really know what to expect from him. I think anything we get from, I just said we, I never do that. Anything <laughs> the Red Sox get from Thornburg is a bonus. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't think that the, that the team can bank on him for any sort of meaningful innings. And I mean, guys coming back from this, we've seen it before, uh, typically have some trouble in their first year back and maybe even longer than that. So who knows if he'll ever be the Tyler Thornburg of old, but... I mean, it'd be good to have him back there, at least in the mix. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, so a guy I want to talk about is Andrew Benintendi. Uh, Really interesting player, um, arguably one of the best young players on the Red Sox. You could say him or Devers, maybe, uh, for the guys that are younger than Mookie Betts uh, right now. Um, But the thing that I've been noticing, especially since this offseason has had nothing going on except my fantasy baseball drafts, is that lots and lots of people um, out there think that Mookie, I'm sorry, Andrew Benintendi is like a star outfielder. And not just from like, you know, plays the field well. It's from an offensive perspective. People are drafting him in fantasy leagues like he is a stud. Uh, And I'm wondering from you, what do you think his offensive ceiling is here? Because clearly the public thinks that, I mean, he's got a chance to be an impact offensive bat. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's why he's getting drafted so high. I think he is about as safe as it gets with someone his age. And I would say that's probably more the reason. I don't think he has a huge ceiling. Um, probably like a 125 WRC plus, which is good, mm-hmm. obviously. But I mean, we're looking like 25 home runs, 20 stolen bases, uh, 300 batting average. Um, I he's he'll do a lot of good things, but nothing really great is what I would expect from him. Yeah, I think I'm definitely more in that camp too. I I see him as a guy who has a chance to hit 300 pretty much every year that he's in the big leagues, um, because I think his 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 hit tool is that good. I think his approach is going to continue to get better. His strikeout rate will probably go down a little bit. He might add some power as he fills out. Um, but I don't see him as a guy that will have many years over 25 home runs, even in the juice ball environment. And hopefully the steals stick around for a while. But in terms of an on-base presence, um, he's going to be awesome for his whole career. Where do you think that he fits in best in the lineup next year? Uh, I would probably hit him second behind well i think he's i think alex gore said he was batting mookie first so if that's the case i would put benintendi second if i was making the lineup i would probably put benintendi first and bet second but mm-hmm. either or it doesn't not a huge huge deal yeah i agree with you i would definitely do benintendi lead off with bets behind him just simply because statistically isn't it the best possible spot to hit your best player in is the second spot yeah, that's um, from the book, but um, I don't think it's... I mean, lineup construction 
doesn't have a huge effect unless you're doing something crazy like putting your best hitter ninth or something. But as long as you're within the ballpark of a optimal lineup, you're not really going to gain or lose too many wins from that. So one of the interesting things on the um, the Zips projections were the comps that they threw. Uh, they, oh, they, I love comps. Yeah, they threw a number one comp uh, for each guy. And looking at Chris Sale's number one comp, um, I think I, I had like the heart eyes uh, as <laughs> soon as I, as I saw it. And it was Johan Santana, who we've talked about now for the second time on this show unexpectedly. Um, but, I mean, that's a pretty impressive comp for a projection system to predict. The 148 ERA plus for a starter, um, Ks per nine up in the close to 10, um, walks under two. I mean, Chris Sale, so fun, so ridiculously good. But my question to you is, how the heck are Chris Sale and the team going to address what keeps happening to him in his career, which is an amazing first half, in a slowdown in the second half. And when we say slowdown, I mean, Chris Sale, was he still had a number of very very good starts in the second half of the year. But he definitely was not himself, certainly in August and in September, um, like he was the rest of the season. So how did they address this? Because they're going to have to do it. They did it with Beckett years ago. Um, do the Red Sox have a blueprint for this? Um, so they had their winter weekend last weekend, right? That was last weekend? Yeah, it was just last weekend. Yeah, so he, Sale talked about that a little bit, um, and he said that, well, his explanation was that he was amped up at the start of the year, coming into spring training, that he wanted to prove himself to a new team and to a new fan base, and so he was pretty much regular season ready for the start of spring training, so he said that was why, but I'm not sure i buy it because like you said that that's not the first year this has happened and i don't know if he's he was always that amped to go to white Sox camp <laughs> so i mean i think to you have to just work in some more rust and um the red Sox have to use some of that rotation depth that we've been talking about and be willing to skip guys uh, same with palmer and some price get they don't have to do a strict six-man rotation but Every few times through the rotation, as long as um, the standings aren't, they're not like falling way behind in the standings. You just give a guy a rest, and um, that's really the only solution I can come up with. And then you kind of just cross your fingers and hope for the best. Yeah, it seems like Cora would be that type of guy who wouldn't be opposed to doing that either. It's really about the player, I think. You have to get Sale to buy into it. I mean, this isn't the only time in his career that he's talked about making a change. I remember the season before he went to the Red Sox when he was with the White Sox and his strikeout rate was down. He was... Pitch to contact. Yeah, yeah. he was specifically trying to do that. And he's talked about, uh, I think it was at the winter weekend as well, that he comes into the season um, in mid-season form pretty much uh, in terms of the amount of throwing and the amount of arm work that he's done uh, in the offseason. So... I mean, maybe it is a him issue more than it is a team issue. He's probably got to scale himself back. A guy like yeah. that is just probably wired like very few people and uh, needs to learn how to take it easy so we can actually rely on – there I said it too. Um, yeah. So the team can rely on him <laughs> come the end of the year. 
This is what's happening to us as nothing happens in the offseason. I have no problem with people saying we, by the way. It's something I try to avoid. <laughs> well, um, we shouldn't say it on the pod. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> um, hey, the Marlins just traded Yellick to the Brewers. What? We just broke yeah. some news on here. Yeah. Oh, actually, who did so. break that news so we can give him credit? I don't know. Rosenthal, I think. Rosenthal, nice. Any oh, word good. on the return? Uh, it's just starting to come out. Brinson and Diaz. Oh, God, if they trade fucking Dubon to the Marlins, don't do that to him, please. I don't <laughs> think they are. boy would get some playing time, though. I don't. He... Don't send him to Miami. It's just like a hellscape. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, uh, so are they saying Brinson and Diaz right now? That's a pretty good haul. I mean... Yeah, I mean, Yellick. I mean, he needs to call. That's a sick outfield now, though. They're probably going to trade somebody, I would think. Well, what would it be at this point? It would be Yellick, Santana, and Braun? Braun and Phillips, right? Brett Phillips. Phillips would be a pretty nice fourth outfielder. Yeah, and Keon Broxton. Yeah. I, I so, would trade one of those guys. I, I don't yeah, think I'd move on well. from Braun, even at this stage. Yeah, I don't know, but Very that interesting. was interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, good little package there. Isan Diaz, I assume? I would assume so, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe since that little piece has dropped, uh, well, actually, pretty pretty sizable piece, the last piece that the Marlins actually have of much value. Um, maybe. Oh, they're trading everybody now, I would assume. Real Muto, Straley, Boy. everybody's gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I hope so. Um, that I can't imagine being a fan for them. It's got to be just the worst thing ever i would just not be a fan of them even if i lived down there i think i'm on mute um hey they still live in miami so i'm not gonna cry for them <laughs> that's right um free agency we talk about it pretty much every time we come on here um it seems like as we are drawing to the close of january as we record this it is january 25th it seems like kane is getting close to deciding on what team he's gonna go to it seems like you Darvish is getting close, and there's reportedly been multiple offers out on those guys. Uh, Five-year offer on the table for you Darvish. Uh, Four-year, according to some people, multiple four-year offers for Lorenzo Cain. Do you think those guys get done before the end of uh, January? Cain, uh, yes. Darvish, no. I'm at the point where I'm just saying... It's going to take forever for all these guys. This is the worst offseason. Did you see the uh, Hosmer thing? No. Today? They, uh, the, somebody hacked the Padres' Instagram. <laughs> and so the Padres' Instagram posted a picture of Hosmer and then deleted it, and everybody thought that he was going there. So we had a little bit of excitement this morning for nothing. Well, there you go. When that's the best you have in this yeah. offseason, it's, uh, right. it's dangerous. So uh, shall we get to some listener questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So TM Warning, uh, which I assume is two-minute warning, asks us, do the Red Sox need another starter? With a depressed market, should they try and target a Cobb or someone like that at the right price? What do you think, Matt? Uh, I don't think they need another starter, but, I mean, you, you never say no to it. If the price gets low enough, I think you kind of uh... – just keep an eye on it, and if it starts to get 
outrageously low and you can get them on like a one-year deal or something i would like somebody like Cobb or lynn i could see it but i don't think it's something that they absolutely have to do yeah i agree 100 percent, and i have nothing to add to that so <laughs> let's move on trevor shackles asks us uh looking at esteban Kiroz, i'm not sure how to what's the right I think way that's to say it. that is that uh, i would say Kiroz. Kiroz, yeah his stats seem intriguing um do you think he could end up being a solid bench player this year, especially if Pedroia is missing a few months? Um, I guess I'll tackle this one first. My gut feeling here is that best case scenario, Esteban isn't playing with the big club uh, at all, um, and that this is Marco Hernandez's job uh, until Pedroia gets back. And uh, you know they've got so many guys out of options right now that I would be surprised if he played. Um. You're probably right, but I think I'm intrigued. I think a lot of it is because of what Hector Velasquez did last year. Mm-hmm. When he was a very similar type of signing, kind of came out of nowhere, but he had a really solid career in Mexico, and uh, he looked pretty solid. So, Kuros definitely isn't starting the year in the majors unless um, there's a couple injuries, but if he starts to hit well. At AAA, I don't really know that like a Devin Marrero is gonna be in, gonna be able to hold him off. So yeah. uh, he's definitely someone I'm interested to watch. I don't have the highest of expectations, but he's kind of an unknown, and that's always interesting. I'm interested to see what the glove is like when he gets over here because I think you know reports are that he's got a decent glove, but devin marrero is someone you can play all over the field and yeah feel really good about it in a late game situation so i think uh yeah i'm intrigued too um and i i love what dave dombrowski has done with the mexican league signings i think that it's uh it's a good thing so we'll see uh cj roberts asks us pineapple on pizza yes or no matt what say you uh no but if you want to i don't care I like cheese pizza. There's cheese pizza is the best pizza. Uh, my wife would definitely agree with you on that. Um, I like pineapple on pizza, but also I like everything on pizza. So um, I like pizza any way I can get it. But yeah, I have no issue with Hawaiian pizza or anything like that. So yeah, go nuts. Uh, Eamon Allen Ducat asks us, what's the word on Stephen Wright? Is the MLB investigating him? Uh, I actually don't know. Are they? Yeah. Um, so his, I forget the exact terminology for what happened to his case was, but basically it's over in the legal system, but MLB is still looking into it. I'm assuming he's going to miss a little bit of time to start the year. Um, they generally give suspensions to anybody who gets arrested for domestic disputes um so i would expect to hear about that within the next few weeks probably but as far as i know there's still an investigation going from the league the the real question here is how long until he's a new york met right (laughs) yeah why what what, what am i missing here (laughs) because they already have jose reyes so oh I got you. Yeah. <laughs> they seem to be collecting them. They gave Jose Reyes a one-year deal today, so we'll see. <laughs> um, in terms of who is going to start the year in the rotation, though, 
Uh, it is conceivable that Wright is suspended at the beginning of the year and that Eduardo Rodriguez is not healthy enough to start at the beginning of the year. So who would be those back two spots? Um, well, it would only be one, right? One spot because they, they'll have Sale, Price, Porcello, Pomerantz. Oh, right. Yep. So probably be a battle between Johnson and Velasquez and... I would say Johnson will win because he's out of options. Mm-hmm. And to start the year, you just want to keep as much of your depth on the roster as possible. So my guess would be Brian Johnson will get one or two starts at the beginning of the year. If he lights it up, will we have a controversy? Uh, I hope so. There's nothing better than a good old controversy. Yeah, it's good pod material, that's for sure. Absolutely. All right, so our last question today comes from Jao P. He says... Do you think Leon has any trade uh, value in a trade? Um, I don't think they'd consider trading him because he's Chris Sale's personal catcher, um, and that's important. But, yeah, I do think he would have some value in a trade. Not much, but he's a pretty good defensive catcher who's not a zero offensively, uh, and he's not that expensive. And he's only 20. He's about to be 29, so he's not super old. Yeah, I mean... You're not getting a top prospect for him or anything, but short teams need catchers. Yeah, he's definitely useful. Like, yeah, he, he will have a job. I like Leon. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, I hope they don't trade him. Yeah, uh, I like when he hits like a Hall of Famer for uh, month stretches at a time too. That's that always was, a lot of fun. That was one of the most exciting times to be a Red Sox fan for me. I don't know what it was, but it was just amazing. Yep. That was awesome. We'll never uh, see it again. So what do we have? 28 days till opening day? No. More than that. What? How many days? Till opening day? It's not that like much. Two months. Two months? What it's am I March. thinking about? Spring training? Are you talking about uh, pitches and catches? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, what the hell are you smoking? <laughs> uh, I don't even know when pitches and catches are. Is it Valentine's Day? Uh, I think like yeah, I think so. Pitchers and pitchers catchers. catchers is a very overrated day. Yeah. Do you celebrate Truck Day? Oh, Truck Day is the most overrated day. <laughs> so fucking truck guys, relax. Now the best day is the first spring training game. That's uh, when lots of things happen. So the Red Sox um, pitchers and catchers report Tuesday, February thirteenth, uh, and Monday, February nineteenth. So. That's the first okay. full squad and workout for the for the first game is the twenty second of February. That's that's the uh, college doubleheader. Okay, so that was what I was referencing for my twenty. <laughs> it's definitely not. Days. Yeah, it's definitely not opening day. We're not that close. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. I'm wishful thinking here. My brain is trash right now. Um, all right, so I guess I should end the pod with that. Um, for everybody out there who has been listening to this, and if you enjoyed it, um, please go on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of the places where you listen to us, Google Play Music too, um, and rate and review us. Um, we have some, we have nine five-star reviews, so thank you, everybody that has reviewed us. Um, please do that. Um, you can also subscribe to us there in those places, and you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, again, you can ask questions uh, on Twitter of us at the Over the Monster handle, or you can uh, hit me up at, at DevJake, or you can hit Matt up at, at uh, Matt R Y Ryan. 
for uh, some Red Sox questions. So um, that is always appreciated. So thank you very much for tuning in again, and we will be with you next time or as news breaks.